0: Adams? Here. Adam Lee?
1: Here.
0: Adamowski?
2: Adamson?
1: Here. Adler? Here.
2: Anderson? Anderson? Here. Bueller?
0: Bueller? Bueller? Bueller?
1: Um, he's sick. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious.
2: Thank you, Simone.
1: No problem whatsoever.
2: Three Films and a Podcast has no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode. All film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders and is used solely with the intent of film criticism, commentary, and education under fair use law. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy.
3: All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Three Films and a Podcast. The show where three friends challenge each other to broaden their cinematic horizons through a series of themed rounds. My name is Tyler Beck. I'm coming to you from Portland, Oregon. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend Ben LaHorn in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hello. And my arch nemesis, Matt Weiler in Pleasant Grove, Utah. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. He's far from my nemesis. I love Matt dearly. Uh, But for whatever (laughs) reason... I gave Ben the friend intro and I couldn't just, I couldn't just, we got to have conflict. We never have conflict on here. So, got to have some. Uh, for this episode, Matt will be my nemesis. Started
0: off with one. Yep. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. uh, for those of you that are new to the show, uh, first of all, welcome to the club. Uh, we're super glad you're here. Uh, what began as a movie exploration club in a group chat between the three of us has sort of evolved into a little community where we come on here and we'll, we chat about the movies that we're watching and, movies that we love and maybe don't love who knows uh and uh yeah again we're just happy you're here and with that in mind i want to introduce everyone to ethan simi from 15 minutes of marvel
4: hey what's up how how's it going fam
3: uh what's up your answer to that was you're doing well uh <laughs> i personally am doing well and uh yeah ethan this is your second time joining us correct
4: yeah. Second time. I, I am privileged. Honestly, it took a long time to get me back. So I'm a little worried. I, I don't know if this is like a second <laughs> test or what,
3: but oh, no, I'm no, happy no, to be no. back. No, 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 not at all. Uh, we just, you know, we wanted to we wanted to. Uh, uh, what? What's the what's the term? We're not playing hard to get, but uh, uh,
4: you're playing less, hard to get
3: a less is more type thing, you know? Mm. the the listeners are clamoring for more ethan but we're making them wait so anyways Uh, i like like supply and demand (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. capitalism it's beautiful (laughs) um as i mentioned you run a an awesome podcast one of my personal favorites 15 minutes of marvel uh you actually run it from here in portland which is just sort of uh, a coincidence uh Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah you want to take a minute to talk about that and, and and plug your stuff
4: yeah absolutely uh yeah like you said 15 minutes of marvel Every uh Tuesday and Friday, new episodes at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh yeah, 15 minutes. I just talk about Marvel. It's it's literally the best 15 minutes of my week. It's pretty dynamite. Um, and with with Loki starting up in like two days, uh, and, and by the time the show comes out, I'm sure Loki is out. Um, new episodes every Wednesday and Friday, because you know, for for glorious purpose with Loki. So uh yeah, yeah, Apple Podcasts, uh Spotify everywhere. So be sure to subscribe. Um, and, and, you know, I would say become a patron so I can buy some cool Marvel stuff to put in my recording studio. That'd be great.
3: That would be great. Um, yes, please do go follow, listen, like, and subscribe to both our show and Ethan's. I assume you've already done that for us since you're here. Uh, but take a minute and check out our boy, Ethan. Um,
2: we've talked about it a little bit. I just want to say that I still think it's insane that we're in June and we still have four Marvel movies coming out this year. Yeah. Like besides Loki, we still have four movies from the MCU. It's it's crazy to me that yeah. we're getting that four movies in six months. I cannot wait. Hopefully this last six months will make up for whatever we missed out on last year. Mm. I'm excited.
3: Yeah, not not to turn this into a, a, a Marvel pod, which could easily happen. Uh, <laughs> I have been doing a soft rewatch of the MCU. Um, I've skipped Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3, which Ethan might have some thoughts about. That's um, fine. Interesting I, choice. I, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> uh, for whatever reason, I was just like, eh, I don't need to see those again. I don't know why. Um, and I'm super, super, super excited uh, for Loki. Part of the reason I wanted to do this was to catch up on all the Thor stuff. He's my personal favorite and uh, mm-hmm. get uh, you know caught up on Loki. Um, and I had, Did you watch Dark World? I literally just watched it. Yeah.
2: Nice. The other okay. day. That's awesome. And,
3: so you know, watch this...
4: Dark World, but you won't watch Iron Man 2. This is interesting. Well,
3: I. <sighs> have but in terms of loki i give loki. you that
4: prepping for loki
3: and and i just have uh, a very unabashed love for thor uh hmm. and i'll tell you what guys th- i could derail this conversation here we could go from <laughs> the planned conversation to thor dark world because uh it gets a bad rap let's just say that
2: <laughs> Ethan. Does indeed. if you yeah. want
3: to talk about it i'll come on your pod ethan oh yeah uh, you welcome anytime. anytime i'm a fan um, but to get back to the matter at hand, what we're actually going to talk about here is a movie by our boy, Steven Spielberg, friend of the pod, a long time listener and subscriber, uh, ready player one. Um, Ethan, I think if I, if I remember right, you were already a fan of this movie. You had seen it. You, you jumped at the opportunity to talk about this movie. So, um, why don't you go ahead and give us a pretty brief rundown and a synopsis, uh, to get us started and we'll go from there.
4: Yeah, definitely. So I'll just I'll just give you what's on the IODB page so we can start with a clean slate. Cool. Uh, it says when the creator of a virtual reality called the Oasis dies, he makes a posthumous challenge to all Oasis users to find his easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune and color of his world, uh, or control of his world. Sorry. So um, it's li- it's literally exactly that. Uh, caught in in a in a video game world trying to find easter eggs. Um, it is. Awesome movie. I will just like lay lay where I stand on that. And when I was on your show last time, uh, we linked up after and you guys hooked me up with your schedule, and I was like, yo, I gotta like I wanna come on and talk about Radio player one. like I <laughs> this movie's so much fun. um, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a video game movie stuck in a video game. It's freaking awesome.
3: love it. Well, let's just get right into the next topic then. Uh, I like to ask everyone sort of <clears throat> what their experiences with the movie are like, you know, sometimes we'll talk about some old movies that maybe you might have, uh, had experiences with before seeing it or, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your personal experience with this movie and, uh, like when, maybe when it first landed on your radar, that sort of thing. Oh, and, and, uh, you know, expand on your overall thoughts while you're at it.
4: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, movie came out in 2018, March of 2018. So I do remember seeing this in the theater. Um, yeah. Now this movie, like I'm not crazy on video games. I just don't have like all the free time, right. To like mm-hmm. really dive into the the world of video games, but I like video games in general. Right. And, and like that, like pop culture who, who doesn't sure. like, right. you know, all of these things. And so when, and my wife knows this very well about me and, and during my rewatch this past weekend over the, the three days, it took me to, <laughs> to rewatch this movie <laughs> in between real life. Um, I, I turned to her and I, and I, and I looked at her and I was like, you know, I love movies about being in an alternate reality. And she goes, I know, I know you do. <laughs> and I was like, this, this movie is like, is dynamite. Um, I never read the book. So I had no, I had no expectations. I I was not attached to anything. I, I didn't even know it was a book until I was like, Oh, what is this movie? Right. Yeah. And, and like going to see it in the theater. Um, I remember seeing a the theater and being like, just super, super jazzed about it being like, this is, this was awesome. This was just really, really fun. Had no clue that Spielberg was the director. Um, mm, really, we'll honestly, like, <laughs> wasn't wasn't really like into movies. This was like before I got really into like, oh, movies nice. are amazing kind of a thing. So, this was really just a watch for me of of like that looks cool, and I guess I'll go see it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I love it. I had a blast with it, and um, honestly, I think it's a really, really, really fun movie.
3: Did your uh, did your opinion of it or your uh, your thoughts about the movie change upon rewatch at all?
4: Uh, no. If anything, they grew. Like, oh, nice. I can I can definitely see myself watching this like once a year, being like, "Wow, I guess I forgot how cool this movie is." Like, <laughs> yes, <it's, laughs> and, and we're gonna get into it. Like, yeah, it's predictable. Like that. That's that's how the trope and, and like the storyline of the movie goes. But it's just like it's just really fun and like. Yeah, it took me three nights because because of life and like whatever else. Um, and so that's how I had to split it up. But I know the first night I, I, I got probably about an hour into it. And I thought to myself, like, that seems like that seems like 20 minutes to me. Like, I was just so engrossed hmm. in, yeah. in what was happening on screen. Uh, and my number one thought, like coming away from my rewatch was nobody talks about this movie. How are we not <laughs> yeah. talking about this movie is only made three years ago. So, like, it's not that old. And (laughs) this this like the visuals are incredible. They're insane to me. It's it's fantastic.
3: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I have some thoughts about why it might not be talked about so much. But like you said, we'll get into that. Um, Matt, what uh, what about you? What was your personal experience and uh, your overall thoughts?
0: So I I had read the book years ago. The book is a, a ton of fun. Mm. Um it's one of the most fun things. That
3: seems hit. not to cut you off immediately, but you are my nemesis <laughs> here. So um I just wondered. Thanks for your thought. I just I watching thought. it I'm like, I was like, how I mean, you know, your imagination is limitless and uh blah blah blah. But like I just wondered like how a movie like this would translate to the page. So it's just I, I I'm yeah, I'm just it's interesting to me that this started as a as a pretty beloved book and went to this movie but um yeah
0: yeah no i mean uh sorry you haven't read the book no okay um so i mean they they in the book it does a pretty good job of it doesn't try to over explain what virtual reality is like it really mm. it it assumes that you have a basic understanding of what virtual reality is um and it gets way more into Basically, in in a, in a short period of time, they basically say virtual reality has gotten to a point where it's basically reality. Right. So you put yeah. on your headset and you are, it's reality now. So, yeah. And there's different like equipment that makes it a better, more realistic experience. And that's about as much time as they spend, you know, explaining that. And so for, from that, up, that point on, it's almost as good as a fantasy novel because everything that they can do and and all that within Right. Within the Oasis. Um, so I had read the book years ago. It was a ton of fun. Um, the the book is chock full of 80s references. And that's nice. that's really the source of everything in the book. Um, the whole the whole Willy Wonka uh, treasure story is yeah. really just interlaid with just nonstop 80s references, uh, which mm-hmm. makes it a ton of fun because you're reading it and like you remember this, you remember that. You don't right. remember that. So you look it up. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just like it's 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 a ton of fun. Um, and it references a ton of movies uh, like it's it's basically I mean, here we are. We're a pop culture podcast. And this is like it's the pop culture person's fantasy dream. Sure. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> it's their weird science movie. Come to yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a ton of fun. I, I was greatly anticipating this movie. I knew that they were going to have to take some liberties because the the type of references they was making can only appeal to a certain demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew there was going to be a, a wider appeal. And I actually like really liked the direction that they took. My wife read the book immediately before seeing it and like hated the movie on the first viewing. Oh, this just classic because,
3: conversation Shoot. yeah
0: i, I mean just yeah totally bummed out about things that she didn't get to see um mm-hmm. but upon you know repeated viewings appreciating for what it is um embracing the changes uh she's she's really liked it um i thought ty sheridan and olivia cook were just rock solid casting i mean the whole cast is great
2: um but uh Shouts
3: ben Mendelssohn. for me i think he might have been my favorite
2: uh, love Ben Mendelsohn mention him He's so yeah. good. also um,
3: uh, Lena Lena uh, how do you say it? Lena, Lena Waithe? Waithe yeah she's yeah. great I love her a lot but anyways um, that's my second interruption in your first no, <laughs> that,
4: no. darn you Tyler shoot
0: um, no but I mean that, that that basically summarizes my thoughts I mean I, I obviously recognize that it's very different um, from the source material I didn't look at that as a negative thing at all
2: yeah
4: Mm hmm.
2: I had this book recommended to me from your arch nemesis, actually. Um, <laughs> Matt was the one that told me to read it. And I'm glad he did, because I, I loved it. It's a super fun read. It's not it's not deep or anything like that. And given our conversation on close encounters like that, just makes sense why Spielberg was the one that did it. You know, like it's he knows how to do spectacle. He knows how to do all that stuff. And the movie itself doesn't necessarily need to have like a huge, deep message or anything like that. Like it's a lot of surface stuff. It's a lot of fun. You know, what's going to, what's happening, whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I loved the book. Nerd! Um. Then yeah, saw the movie in theaters and I enjoyed it. Like we, we kind of hit on it already and I'm sure we will again, Um, you know, it's a big conversation to have with Spielberg being the one that took over because there obviously are, quite a few changes you know he took a lot of liberties with his own stuff which is like an interesting conversation i think for us to have um but yeah you know some of the challenges are different i think the first one in the book was about the movie war games you know like it was something like that yeah like, my co-worker just was mentioning that doesn't today. get referenced here yeah which is like i get it you know what i mean like maybe it's not something that people are going to pick up on and a huge race is a lot more fun to show, you know, than yeah. someone, like trying to mm-hmm. recreate the war games <laughs> battle. So I totally get why some of those liberties were taken. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I loved it in theaters. It's a, that, that, race scene itself, I think is like made for the theaters. Like yeah. it was mm-hmm. so cool. Um, I think I hadn't watched this since watching a lot of the MCU stuff. So I was like getting some weird, like, civil war airport slash end of end game fight stuff you know when the end is happening here it's (laughs) like oh yeah this is where i've seen this (laughs) yeah it was like oh okay that makes sense like how do you keep track of this stuff like it's kind of crazy just big battle scenes Mm -hmm. um but yeah i know i i enjoy this movie it is a lot of fun it's like a yeah it's just it's a fun watch if you're looking for something kind of lighthearted. i guess yeah i think this Mm -hmm. is it
3: yeah that's a good point i mean let's just get right into the <clears throat> the uh, the Spielberg conversation and and kind of what you were talking about because uh, really my only experience with it was I watched it yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd heard about it. I thought it was Ender's Game. I thought I was expecting to see Harrison Ford the whole time watching it, uh, and then I quick <laughs> so I, I realized eventually I'm like, oh, that's a different uh, sort of virtual reality ish fantasy movie. I don't. I haven't seen Ender's Game. I don't know anything about it either. Based on a book, uh, so you know, we are in the third installment of our directors. It wasn't like an official director's deep dive, uh, but we've done three rounds now with famous directors. This being the third, we've done Kubrick, we've done Hitchcock. And now this is our second movie on Spielberg. Um, And so, you know, these guys all sort of have their own specific thumbprint and their own specific trademark and style. Uh, But you know, this is sort of a a sort of a uh maybe an exception to that rule for for spielberg specifically um so i'm just wondering like if there was any like Spielbergisms that you guys picked up on or you were watching out for uh and like ethan you know you didn't know this was a spielberg so Mm -hmm. like you know if you if if you guys ben and matt didn't know it was a spielberg would you have been able to guess uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm curious. We'll start with Ethan there. You've already sort of answered this, but, um, yeah, I
4: mean, look, I, I guess in terms of directors and, and, um, another podcast that I, that I'm a part of, although it's ending is, is a final take pod. We, we check out a director every single month. So the first episode of the month, we, we do a director of the month and truthfully, like I'm not, I would not consider myself a student of film. So like, sure. I'm not going to come in, come in here and be like, yeah, this like. You know A, B, and C. That's Spielberg. Like lock it up. That's so yeah. easy to tell. Um, you all are, you know, talking Spielberg. So you would know more than I would. But like, I just don't. I just don't know that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't. It's just not a natural thing for for me to know. And so, like I said, like I didn't know this was Spielberg, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Like I, that could be taken either way. Yeah. In terms of like, oh yeah, anybody could have done it, but one of the greats did it, and or like. Oh, it was done so well that like, it didn't, it didn't, you know, like it didn't jump out to you. Like, wow, this, this had to be done by someone that caliber. Right. Um And looking at Steven Spielberg's IMDb, I was unaware that he did minority report. Did okay. I, like <laughs> this this is yeah. news to me, like yeah. an absolute heater of a movie. And, and I know we, I mean, you guys are going through it. Spielberg is, is a goat when it comes to this stuff, but I'm just mm-hmm. every single time I, think like wow spielberg did that and that and that like i'm i'm flabbergasted um and it's so interesting to me this is his most recent film this is like the last movie that he can like tie his name to right we've got west side story coming out later this year um was supposed to come out last year right but um i think it's i think that's super interesting and maybe you guys can fill me in like is this is this up spielberg's alley like is this something like he he i know with pop culture with with uh, you know, E.T., Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, like all these things are are a big pop culture reference. So maybe that's why Spielberg took it on. I, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting conversation that, you know, I wanted to get into with him taking over. It's just that, like you said, all three of those things, Jurassic Park, E.T., like all that kind of stuff is so clearly Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I think in watching this movie, I mean, it's hard to play the hypothetical of like what I know, but... sure. There are so many things where it's just like yeah he's such like a fan of yeah. movies you know like up there with like scorsese and stuff like that where it's just he respects the craft so like as meticulous as everything was done in the shining like that's all i feel like from spielberg's brain like that looked like yeah. just an exact reproduction of like the whole shining scene i was like yeah that's someone who really appreciates the craft and knows how it needs to be done I think he is also really good at spectacle, like the big fight scenes. He's great at establishing locations. The thing I found interesting about this movie, though, and watching the the behind-the-scenes stuff is that, like, they were just doing this all essentially in mocap suits on, like, a big, you know, studio lot for the most part. And he would, like, he had, like, this hand set that he could, like, control the virtual reality camera with to figure out what shots he wanted. Mm. And it was so crazy watching that because, like you say, like, this is the most recent movie he's directed it's like this is crazy like the amount of technology that this guy is using who got his big break from like a robot shark yeah. not working yeah like right. the leap he made from technology <laughs> and technology like it's insane the so way he was like, directing this we are watching in this movie reality? because a fucking shark wouldn't work <laughs> yeah like yeah he had like they gave him this handheld set he had like the goggles on like the oasis what? and it was crazy like he had a, the handheld like joysticks and in the VR, he had a monitor that he could like get the shot that oh he gosh. wanted. So it was like VR inside the VR. It's fuck, It's nuts That's to bananas. watch it. It's just like, it's like Inception basically. It's like, holy shit. Like, wait, how are, <laughs> like, are you doing amazing. this? Like, huh. I mean, the dude's like in his whatever, 70s or something. Like, I don't know if I could handle that stuff. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine. My grandpa can't even turn on his iPod. How this all
1: works. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it was like, it was nuts, but it was so cool because he could like, he was looking at the monitor in the VR and he's like, cool. I want to be uh, closer to them, but I want to have a wider shot. And he could see that in the monitor of what the exact camera angle was going to be. Wow. Because he had ILM working on this and another company called like Digital Domain. So I don't know. The behind the scenes is totally worth the watch. Like, I think it's almost more interesting than the movie. Like, it's totally different. But just like, if you like to know how things are done, it's a great watch. It's really, really interesting. But yeah, it was Spielberg. Like, you get the spectacle, you get like the... Everything's gonna be okay. I don't think you're ever really worried that Ben Mendelson is gonna win. Yeah. But yeah, again, shout out Ben Mendelson. He mm. is so awesome. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about him in the next round. Unsung gems. He'll be in uh, Animal Kingdom. Oh, so beautiful. Nice. um yeah, I don't know. I think you could tell it's a Spielberg movie, but um I think it's just cause of how much he loves the craft and whoever made this movie had to love what was mm-hmm. in there. Um, my only I don't know qualm whatever with it and I know we talked about it is just like he took so much of himself out you know this is different than like Mm -hmm. the author and the director doing different versions like the shining or whatever it's just like he specifically just took himself out because he just kind of felt weird about like (laughs) having his own references in there like I think we only got like the t-rex yeah and I think something else I don't remember what it was like some of the stuff from Amblin entertainment was in there, obviously like back to the future and stuff, but his directed movies, he just like took all of his references out and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm curious what that movie is like if he keeps himself in or if someone else directs it, but I don't know who else could handle it. Like, I think he, he did a great job. I loved it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think uh, it, it is interesting. And I, I didn't, I haven't looked into like the reasons why Spielberg left his work out of this movie, but it's just funny how like, it seemed like he did it, not seem pretentious and then mm-hmm. by doing so almost made it way <laughs> more pretentious more right
1: yeah
0: why he makes sense to me for this movie is he's a blockbuster guy and there's yeah. there's a ton mm-hmm. of blockbuster guys out there and he's the best guy he's still the best guy for the blockbuster job um, mm-hmm. and it's because of his as ben mentioned his reverence for the the craft for filmmaking for storytelling it's a reverence that a lot of these blockbuster guys now just don't have even, even ones with mute that make movies that I like, they just don't have the same storytelling chops that Spielberg has. And so, uh, when I saw that he was, he was on for this movie, I was like way stoked. And number two, I thought that it was kind of perfect because it's kind of its own Easter egg just because of how many times he's referenced in the books. Um, and Ernest Klein was involved in this project, so it seems very intentional that it worked out the way that it did. But the other, yeah. some other things for um, something that we like doing for for people listening is we do try to highlight the things that make something a Spielberg movie or make something a Hitchcock or a Kubrick. Um, for those that maybe don't, you know, pay attention to those things. And I will say Spielberg, of Kubrick and Hitchcock, I would say that. Outside of just, like, overall spectacle, he probably has the least identifiable fingerprint of yeah. the three. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you have a lot of people who make Spielberg-esque movies. Sure. And so, I mean, he he may have his recipe, and you, you find out it's a Spielberg. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, like, there's, like, ten other directors making movies that, you know, could have been a Spielberg movie. Um
2: yeah shout out jj abrams i was just J. gonna say like, like, and
3: subscribe. if, if like i were to, to pick another director to give this movie a shot i'd, I'd probably yeah, pick jj J. J. abrams
2: for
4: sure
0: jj J. J. is copying and pasting from yeah. steven spielberg's re- report <laughs> for <laughs> sure oh, yeah. um but uh i i think uh what what makes spielberg movies spielberg movies are you can expect um I mean, the guy, like Ben said, spectacle, I think, is the the key word here. Even in his biopics, he goes above and beyond. Um, It just (laughs) it it may not be a T-Rex smashing a car, but like he's doing Lincoln and it's like the most immersive period piece of that time. Um, And you you expect adventure, expect some form of optimism in some of the bleakest scenarios, expect visual like really great visual storytelling. um, Yeah and expect and this is one of my favorite things that i've noticed in most of his movies his lived in spaces are just like so over the top Like yeah. the houses that are lived in are just like pouring with like junk and right and yeah. stuff and i mean and product placement you can usually anticipate yeah. a little bit of product placement <laughs> yeah. in his
3: movies. the man's got bills to pay <laughs> that's that's right
4: you gotta secure the bag somehow
2: <laughs> um yeah um, Can I
4: ask a question real quick in terms of box office, like um, just like Spielberg being the box office guy, right? Like the the big spectacle guy. Um, So it looks like this movie pulled in 583 million, which is his sixth biggest box office poll, um, Hmm. which is like, which is ahead of Saving Private Ryan, um, ahead of Jaws, right? Like ahead of Raiders, these kinds of things with, Jurassic Park obviously being being the one the one like that got him over a yeah. billion dollars. Um so I think it's pretty impressive that that he can go on and make a movie like this and it could be in the mix with a list of movies from the 70s and 80s and and sure yeah like it didn't make probably as much as it could have but it's still on his list of like biggest grossing films of all time for Steven Spielberg like that's going to be forever an imprint for Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty cool thing to have mm-hmm. his name tied to to a film like this, like Ben, you were saying the guy's been making movies for 45 years and he, 100% like could have gone the Scorsese route and been like, nah, this This isn't film anymore. Right. (laughs) This doesn't count as film. Like this is all, this is, you know, technology. It's not film. And he could have rent that route, but he didn't. And like the dude's still crushing it at the box office. Very impressive.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, probably a lot to do with that success at the box office. I mean, he's, probably writing his name quite a bit. You know what I mean? Like I, I am curious yeah. if if you know that like this this book had a following. The story had a following previous to its release as a movie. Uh and so I'm curious if uh you know, if JJ Abrams directed it or if some other uh lesser known director had directed it, if it would have still pulled that amount at the box office. I mean, obviously there's no yeah. way we would know. Um And and it's, but it's interesting to think about because honestly, like I, a lot like you, Ethan, I couldn't have told you this was a Spielberg movie on watching it, even knowing it was a Spielberg movie, I probably wouldn't have picked it. I probably would have guessed it was some up and coming director or, or something. Um, but now with that being said, I'm, I'm realizing as we've been talking, like when I personally think of a Spielberg movie, I think of things more like uh, Jurassic Park or E.T., or things with, like, that sort of, like, heart and warmth. You know what I mean? Like, you don't necessarily think of Jurassic Park as, like, a warm movie with people being eaten by T-Rex or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> there is sort of a sense of, like, family and hope and that sort of thing. And, like, that's all over E.T. That's, you know, that's... Th- those are the movies that I think of when I think of Spielberg. I don't necessarily think of... uh you know, a, a movie that, that you mentioned minority report or Munich or Schindler's, you know, list. Schindler's <laughs> list or saving private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever reason, I don't think of those movies when I think of Spielberg, although I know he directed them. I, I think of the more like uh hopeful warm movies uh, maybe just because those are the ones I grew up with. So, you know, maybe it's a, it's a difficult, maybe it's an unfair criticism because uh, as I'm talking, I'm realizing like, if I watched Minority Report not knowing it was a Steven Spielberg, I'm not sure I would have known. You know what I mean? But like a movie mm-hmm. like Catch Me If You Can, it 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 does sort of have that like like warmth and and heart to it, even though it's a movie about a con man. But you know, there's hope in it, and he in the end, it's yeah. I know it's a true story, but he ends up kind of winning in the end. You know, even though he's yeah. technically a bad guy, so.
2: It's an interesting it's conversation. Like, we kind of talked about it with Close Encounters too that he just always has. There's like this underlying layer of optimism right. in every single one of his movies. You know, so even in like Saving Private Ryan, you just like they're gonna they're gonna find him. It's gonna be okay. You know what I mean? Or yeah, even strangely enough, like in Schindler's List, like he will turn his feelings around. Like he's gonna see what's going on. Like all that kind of stuff. It's like yeah, there's always some weird level of optimism with him. Um, which makes sense in E.T. and Hook and all that stuff, you know. But yeah, we think about Minority Report and you know, like, I don't know, it's kind of it's a cool sci-fi, like epic movie. But if you sit back and think about it, it's like, yeah, you're with Tom Cruise, like you're rooting for him. You want, you know, he's being framed, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, you're, you're, you're optimistic about how it's going to turn out.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, I think if anything, it sounds like what we're saying is the only the only through line that we can find is that optimism and that like, you know, with, with like, when we watch the shining, which we're going to talk about because it's featured prominently in this movie, like you don't have a sense of hope for that family. And that's something that's very Kubrick Kubrick. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a sense of dread when you watch his stuff. And with Hitchcock, (laughs) there's a sense of uncertainty and there's a sense of like, um, suspense and paranoia whereas with spielberg it's like you know you you generally feel good about how this movie's gonna end even though for the most part a movie ends in a in a good way you know what i mean like that's sort of the formula right like with the exception of a movie yeah. like Seven. Oh, what's in the box Not give me the what's guy? in the fucking box there's yeah. obviously others out there typically the movie ends in a way that's going to make you at least not mad <laughs> so um <laughs> but yeah with spielberg i think to me that would be the through line there is just the optimism and the the heart to the films um
4: can i can i say something real quick so i think nope i was gonna say that the other <laughs> i'm out all right done. <laughs> i was gonna say that the other through line that i can find is is if it has an underlying optimism or if it's indiana jones but indy five we break the chain so it doesn't it's no good can't be done well, I but haven't I, seen. Oh, yeah,
2: directing it. Yeah, huh, Mangold what, directing, yeah. yeah.
4: so <laughs> Mangold's directing it, which and we'll get like oh. Maz Mads, Mads Mikkelsen and like the new, like all kinds of exciting things. I, I guess the script is really good, but like nice. that's that could been that could have been the other through line. Like, okay, there's two ways to know it's a Spielberg movie. If it's, if it's got optimism or if it's yeah. Indiana Jones. That's for, I, for, I thought you were talking about Crystal <laughs> Skull at first.
3: I'm like, I haven't seen it, even though we're talking about a movie that hasn't Oh no, the new Yeah, yet.
4: new, new one. Like, it's not gotcha. even,
3: yeah, crazy. Gotcha. Too bad. Um, and also, yeah, uh, Matt makes a good point. Like, the dude makes, the dude can make a blockbuster, right? Like, he's good at spectacle. And he's good at keeping spectacle, uh, keeping it within the bounds of what, you would like can accept as a viewer you know what i mean it doesn't seem like spectacle mm-hmm. for the sake of spectacle which yeah. is impressive considering this movie is all about the spectacle but somehow uh it doesn't even seem like it's about the spectacle and he's he's really good at balancing that so I, i'd say that's another spielberg ism that i could pin on this one so let's talk about pop culture for a minute uh pop culture is like essentially what this movie's about um, and in my opinion, you know, this the story in this movie, it it's certainly fun. And I did like the movie, but like, you know, like we've talked about, it's pretty vanilla, right? It's pretty predictable. You can pretty much guess what's going to happen from moment to moment. And as I was watching it, I was having fun and I was really liking it. But I got to thinking, like, would I like this movie as much as I do if you stripped out all the pop culture references and all the tie ins? Like if they created their own pop culture within the movie uh, or if somehow they had a different mechanism, like I'm not so sure if I would have liked it as much. Um, So I want to talk about that a little bit. And also, I'm curious uh, what your guys's favorite pop culture tie ins were in the movie. And if there was any that uh, weren't in the movie that you wish would have been. Uh, And I have an idea where Ethan might go with this, but let's start with you Uh-oh. first
4: no tell me tell me where I'm gonna go I want to know if you guys if you well, get it
3: you, like anyone that follows you on Twitter knows you're always on brand and so always. I'm just I'm I'm going I'm I'm just assuming with your brand where you might go with this and I I'm not gonna spoil it because I want to know
4: <laughs> okay well yeah you know always on brand uh R.I.P. uncut gems for not winning any awards I gotta <laughs> you know I have to throw that in there while, while we're here um yeah I mean I think it's an interesting it's an interesting question that I don't think is really fair. I don't think it's really fair because this—I knew you would say that. <laughs> this <laughs> this can't exist. This this doesn't exist without pop culture, sure. right? Like that—that's right. that's the point. Is right. it a vehicle for pop culture references? Eh, probably. Like I mean, right? Like every single scene that you can think of, any change of scenery, any change of pace, any um, like clear cut like we're moving to the next act it's always layered with okay we've got more like we've got a, a pop culture song we've got pop culture references right off the bat so we know we still stand in this world of pop culture um, and we don't ever stray out of that I think I think it's fantastic I think it's really really fun to do that um, but yeah I just don't think this I don't think this movie does, like nearly has the, the reach or the depth or like the grasp of, of of an audience without any of this pop culture. Like I wrote down in my notes, the first thing I have written down in my notes, any movie that starts with Van Halen automatically five stars like that. That's <laughs> so you right just proved of the, my point right out of the <laughs> gate. You're throwing down Van Halen jump. Like it's the most predictable pop culture move you could make from the eighties yeah and you still win. Like it's, it's, it's unlosable when you're throwing in this kind of pop culture and he's jumping down the stacks. Like that's, that's just sublime. Feel yeah. Making. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think it's, it's awesome. Um, there were, there's, I don't know if, if you guys are, or or your listeners know, uh, new rock stars. They, they break down all kinds of stuff mm. on, on YouTube. Um, he's got a video out there of all the Easter eggs in this movie. He found like 300 Easter eggs and it's oh, wow. like a 40 minute long video. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I sat that's insane. down I watched um, it. I did the homework for this show, <laughs> thank and you. Oh, yeah. it's bananas. But someone's got to do it. A, yeah, <laughs> uh, it had to be me. A couple of the interesting ones for me is um, the Orb of Osavox when they open the box. The box is the same box that Gizmo comes in from Grenlands. Oh, no, right, like cool. that's that's clutch. Like I right. had no idea. Like yeah. nobody's gonna see that. Um, right. And then the other one that I like the most, and, and these are just some honorable mentions, and then I, and then I have my my top tier, but. Another one that I like the most when um, Wade uh, and, or like Parzival and Daito and are tricking Sorrento into thinking he's in um, in, re- in real life, but he's actually in the oh, Oasis. Hey, yeah. um, mm-hmm. that scene is just like, that's a fantastic scene. Yeah. Um, obviously, Inception, very like Inception vibes of like, hold up, you're in a dream, like we've got guns to your head situation. But if you look closely at their eyes, there's this nice like orange hue, orange tint a little like Blade Runner uh, yeah. in there of like, oh, you can tell like they're not they're not real or like they're not they're actually here. Yeah. So and I noticed, replicants.
3: I was wondering how our boy Mendelsohn didn't notice that in the moment. And I guess yeah. when you have a gun to your head, you, you don't yeah. necessarily pay attention to the color of someone's eyeballs. But I yeah. did wonder, like, I was like, I wonder why he's not noticing that. But yeah, yeah
4: it, it is. It's definitely like you said. I mean, it's part of the predictability of like, He's not he like he's just not going to catch on. Um
3: yeah.
4: I think I mean, the this is best- a dude
2: who has his password like posted notes <laughs> on his chair. Bossman, so yeah. sixty nine. Like he's falling <laughs> yeah. too bad on not <laughs> noticing someone's eyes. Fair. <laughs> fair. You That's can't, you fair can't expect him
4: to to be the brains. He can't even talk pop culture. He's got to have people do it for him. So <laughs> right. uh, I think the top the top pop Which culture reference
3: is a pop culture reference. Shout out Roxanne.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. For uh, for me. <laughs> I I found myself saying it every single time I saw it on screen. The Zemeckis cube yeah. is
3: yeah. awesome. It's it is yeah. so,
4: so cool. And each time when he, like when he buys it and when Parzival buys it and when he uses it, I like literally out loud, I was like, I told, told my wife, I was like, it's a Zemeckis cube for Robert Zemeckis <laughs> who made it back to the future. And it turns back time. Like, this is amazing. This is like in a Rubik's cube. It like I don't know if I could think of a more unique um, '80s pop culture mashup like reference than a Zemeckis cube. Like that, right. that is just so cool to me. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's good super stuff. rad.
2: So
4: that was my long answer to say no, uh, it's it's an unfair question. <laughs>
2: fair, fair,
3: <laughs> that's fair.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Zemeckis cube was super awesome. It's In a while since I read the books, I don't remember how much of like references that were in the original material versus what Spielberg did, but I could totally see that being like a Spielberg thing. Cause I'm pretty sure Zemeckis was like one of the other people who helped start Amblin Entertainment. So like best buds for sure. Um, I, I loved like all the Easter eggs. Like I, I like that just in general in movies. And this, like you said, it was just like there's an overload of Easter eggs. I thought they were super cool. Um, I just liked, I don't know, just like silly stuff like seeing the old original Batmobile, you know, like in yeah. the race. Like that was kind of mm-hmm. rad. Um, my my favorite one that's like it's not really like an Easter egg like you don't notice it, but the Iron Giant like putting a thumbs up as it goes down, you know, into yeah. the the lava or whatever, just like Terminator's like, oh, that was that was a really cool, like perfect time to do that. <laughs> that was awesome. I do want to say though, it was funny in watching the behind the scenes thing that Ernest Klein like was on set. I mean, at least part of the time. Because they show this clip where Ernest Klein is standing next to Spielberg, who's like looking at his monitor and trying to figure out what to do, and he's like, "Oh, it's do you know, sir, they're playing turbo um do you know why do you know why I did that one?" He's like, "No, why he's like, uh, you guys had a turbo machine at uh Amblin headquarters, and Spielberg's like." Cool, you know, <laughs> right. like was real, like Chris Farley interview vibes. You know, like remember when you guys had Turbo at Amblin? That was That's awesome. Spielberg so is
3: like, so like, I didn't, I've cool. never stepped yeah. foot in that lobby, <laughs> man. I don't what know. What you're talking
2: about <laughs> it made me think of like those cons where people pay, you know, like fifty bucks to get a picture with someone. I was like, oh, this has got to be a nightmare for <laughs> Spielberg. Like, oh, whenever yeah. this guys on the set, it's like, hey, do you know why I put that in the book? It was because of you. <laughs> it's like, it's gotta be a Do you, a you know what your clothes am wearing? Like with this guy, <laughs> like your <Yeah>. stalker, basically. <laughs> like, remember when you directed et like yeah, i'm wearing the outfit the elliot know, like,
3: wore when he said goodbye to et <laughs> yeah exactly do you want do you want some yeah. reese's pieces <laughs> yeah that's why i have
2: in a red hoodie of E.T. remember that like i was just just seeing that one clip I was like oh that must have just been a nightmare to be with this guy <laughs> like, do you know why you i put a basket on the front of my telling handlebars you all <laughs> the Steve, what you are you to
0: eating tonight for dinner uh, did you hear what i just said
2: um so just bad. yeah that i just thought that was hilarious seeing that I like, that's oh, incredible I've never felt bad for spielberg before other than that one moment I'm like that must have sucked that's probably why he said it was the third hardest movie he's ever made <laughs> deal with that guy every day but
4: that um, one reason
2: i i don't know like I, I love all the pop culture references i think ethan hit it on the head I, I mean i think we probably all kind of feel the same but it's just it doesn't work the same if we don't if we aren't getting the references that's why the book was so popular because it's like oh yeah I've seen war games. I remember, you know, the end of the movie when he has to do that, like, or whatever, any of the other references, like a lot of John Hughes stuff, which I'm a huge fan of, you know, so that that stuff all hit me really hard reading the book. And I think, you know, even like in the fight scenes, you know, like when we see the, like the four kids, like doing stuff, then we cut to the, in the fight and they're like, they're the Ninja Turtles or like the six guys running. And then we cut to the fight and it's like the six master chiefs running together. It's like, yeah, like, the halo dudes find each other. Of course, you know, like that makes sense. But if it's some video game that's inside this world that we don't know, that does not connect with me at all. Like, honestly, my favorite part, we'll get to it later, but like not my favorite part, but something I loved was when they got the Chucky doll, you know? And it's like, that works. Cause we know Chucky, yeah. but if it's like another, you know what I mean? If it's like Bucky or whatever, like it would be in that universe. It's like, eh, it just doesn't hit the same cause you're just gonna be thinking like, and they just use Chucky like that. that yeah. perfect. So I don't know. I think that, that totally makes the movie. I get your mm-hmm. point. And I just, yeah, I just don't think it, it connects with the audiences as well. If we aren't connecting with all the Easter eggs. Cause I think a lot of us, you know, like all the new rock stars and stuff like that. I think so many of us want to know everything at once. Like every single like Easter egg, like, what was that? What was that? You know, and this movie is just like made of that stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm that person. Like I, Go to IMDb trivia the minute a movie's over because I just want to learn everything I can, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just don't think that that works that well in this movie if it's like a made up universe. So I don't know. I I think he did a really good job. I still wish. I guess his only two references were Jurassic Park and the alien ship from War of Worlds, which was like uh, a weird choice to make because yeah. like, those so strange. two movies of your own you put in there. Like I don't know why. Else. I just feel like, like
3: Spielberg a... loves War of the Worlds. He. Does, I mean, obviously yeah. he like made the movie. He's got the code. Go I just it just must be like his favorite thing. And he's just like, no, I'm going to give them War of the Worlds. References. People don't appreciate this <laughs> the, movie enough. Jaws can One go for them, fuck yeah. itself. Yeah. One for me. <laughs>
2: like, they can One have a T-Rex. Me. I'm getting my alien ship in there. Um, so yeah, I thought that was like an interesting choice on his part to like put that in there. Like give so many movies, like even just the cannonball, like rolling down from Indiana Jones, like something else right. like would have made more sense. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I'm I'm glad with what we got. And we already talked about it. I just don't know yeah, who else would have directed it in this way. Like he he's a craft of spectacle and also has the respect of film. So I think it, it was really good. I like seeing all these pop culture references. Just
0: as this conversation's gone on, I'm realizing that I think like his, his style could kind of be described or, or metaphorically um, articulated just with the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland because <laughs> you get on the ride, you go through some thrills, <laughs> mm-hmm. some suspense, some things go south, you know, you have the boulder chasing you. But yeah. at the end of the day, the ride ends. You come out of the dark, you know, and, you know, everything ends up somewhat OK for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, and that's kind of how his movies go. So in to, to some degree, I think all of his movies are maybe a little bit predictable. Um, I, I wouldn't say that this is any more vanilla, in my opinion, than several of his others. Uh, I think you kind of if you know, if you know, it's Spielberg, then you kind of know at the very beginning that whatever the quest is here, they're going to accomplish it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I since you guys didn't read the books, I do have a question. So uh, the, the scene where they blow up the stacks, was that not shocking to you or did you feel like they were <laughs> just absolutely going to blow up the stacks? Because in the book, they they say that they're going to blow up the stacks, but you're just like. In the back of your mind, you're like, "Oh, something's going to stop them from doing that." Like that's very drastic. Yeah. But then the stacks go up in flames, and that's when the book gets real. That's when you're like, "Oh shoot!" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like now it's on.
4: I think I think for me when I when I saw them blow up the stacks, I was like, "Okay, we're going to get really like things are going to get really intense, really fast." Um, yeah. Because like that's a pretty early decision to to just like gun after his house just like that, <laughs> and like the fact that. There's, like, not really any kind of, like, build-up. Ben Ben Mendelsohn is not, like, mm, thinking about it. Like, maybe we'll get back to it in 20 minutes. He's, like, this is his address. I found it out. Go blow it up. Like, right now. Like, mm-hmm. that was intense. And, and yeah, I was, like, oh, my God. Like, Wade Watts, this this just kind of, like, escalated to another level.
3: I yeah. think for me, for me personally, uh, <clears throat> as far as blowing up the stacks is concerned, it didn't really bother me. I mean, I recognize you know, the loss of the life there. And we do spend a little bit of time when he's, you know, jumping down the stack in the beginning, sort of meeting his neighbors. But the fact that the movie takes place completely, almost completely in virtual reality, and even the people that live in the real world have, they seem to have, the virtual world seems to be more important. So it almost like didn't, mm-hmm it almost seemed like the reverse, right? It almost seemed like, Oh, that death only happened in like the less important world. Even that, like we hadn't yeah. really learned mm-hmm. the lesson. That's of, uh <laughs> Right. No, totally. And I'm, like, the, as I'm saying it, I'm like, God, you know, like, <laughs> like reevaluate some things here, but you know, like God. the virtual world in ready player one is more important than the real world, at least in the way that it's presented to us. Mm-hmm. So, When i see Mm -hmm. the stacks blow up it's not like it just was like it it almost seemed like a decision that was easy to come to uh a because he's the villain and b because it's like there seems to be less importance placed on the real world in this movie so uh i was it didn't surprise me that it that blew up and it uh and it didn't bother me i'm heartless i'm cold (laughs) <laughs> matt's matt's the true hero yeah, that's the like, twist in this pod he's my nemesis but it's because he's the hero <laughs> cool. and <I'm> the villain.
2: <laughs> i think your point's valid though because i think we do spend so much more time in the oasis that you almost feel worse when someone like like zeroes out and has to start right. all over you know after they have all this stuff They're like oh man that sucks i gotta start over but then we watch the stacks blow Except up. His it's uncle. Like, all right well we haven't been here a ton of time you know yeah but i i do think as far as the mendelssohn character like it really switches it on then of like how serious he is. Cause to keep the eighties references going up until that point to me, he kind of felt like the principal in like the uh, breakfast club where he's yeah, like, yeah. he'll come like yell at you and stuff like that, but nothing's going to happen. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. But that's like, if in breakfast club, he's like, cool, I have a bomb in your dad's car. I'm going to blow it up right now. <laughs> you yeah. don't shut the fuck up. You know, it's like, Oh, that movie totally changes right then when the principal starts killing your family, you know? Right. And that's kind yeah. of what this felt like for me. It was just like, yeah, you know, you can like, you can talk shit to him, you know, whatever, because he's not going to do anything like, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool. I'm going to blow up the neighborhood that you live. in. it's like, okay, so I, this guy really will do anything at all. So yeah. now we know what the stakes are, but I do agree that, you know, having read the book, I look like with Matt, like, I think it, it hits a lot harder in the book, you know, and I know we don't need to get into this, but the movie really, we spend so much time in the Oasis that it doesn't seem to hit as like, have as much of an impact as it probably should.
4: Yeah. I, I think I'm just now realizing
3: oh, oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, go ahead, Tyler. Well, I'm just realizing how much I need to see a version of uh Ferris Bueller's Day Off where Rooney <laughs> is an <laughs> evil psychopath. Yeah. He kidnaps Bueller's mom or something.
2: Just shoots or he kidnaps, the dogs <laughs> Imagine if he like
3: kidnapped Sloan or something.
2: <laughs> oh my god! Just actually Bastard. killed Sloan's grandma. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna pretend she's dead. I'm gonna actually kill your grandma.
4: <laughs> I think you mentioned Ben Mendelson and and look, I, I'm a big Ben Mendelsohn fan. I, I I love him in all kinds of things. I think he's fantastic in Rogue One, uh, and 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 whatnot. But for me, like, I think his character is written really, really well. And and I just have to kind of get this off my chest real quick. His character is really well. When he blows up the stacks, we know he means business. Yeah, he obviously at the very final scene, like he just is going to take a gun to Wade Watts. Like he's just <laughs> rolling in hot. And I get that for me. And, and so I think he checks all the boxes of, of his character. For me, I wish, I just wish we would have had one moment or one brief, like five seconds where Ben Mendelssohn just gets to freak out. Like, I feel like Ben Mendelssohn is at his best when he is like irate when he is just like, losing his shit because he's so frustrated. And it looked to me like in this movie, like he was right there. It, and I'm like, just, just shout it out, brother. Just like, yell, yell about it. It's okay. And he's just like, never hit that dial. So I was a little bummed out. Cause I was like, ah, oh, this like give him a little more life than, than what he had to kind of like get him out of this shell of like, yeah, this
3: corporate slug guy, you know, I didn't anticipate talking about this. Uh, but I was surprised at the end. He had plenty of time to pull that trigger when so he opened much. up the van doors. And I there was sort of a moment I was like, oh, maybe this guy has a little bit of a heart. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't tell. And maybe that's one of my biggest criticisms about the movie is, <clears throat> like, none of the characters really seem to have a whole lot of depth. Which, I mean, I guess if you spent your whole life living in a, a virtual world maybe you wouldn't have a lot of depth because you can create whatever reality or personality that you want to have. But like, like he just blew up the stacks. Sure. I mean, he didn't pull the trigger, but he made the call, but like there was that hesitation and that sort of look in his eye. Like he, he seemed to have a a moment of like, he like for whatever reason he couldn't pull the trigger. And I mean, I'm not saying that I wanted him to kill, we're
4: just heartless
0: Tyler. but
3: but you know what i mean God. like it just was like who is this villain like who is this guy like was, this, that's where it
0: ceased to be a spielberg he pulls the trigger mother, and this movie true. ceases to be a spielberg
3: like if mm-hmm. like i wish i i wish he had like pulled the trigger but missed or something you know what i mean like yeah or or he got tackled as he's pulling the trigger because i just was like why would he why wouldn't he pull the trigger there like i well, just like, i didn't, got, I like, didn't like, understand
2: we got like a half second of realizing that he you know, was their intern or whatever. So he was involved, you know, in it yeah. from the beginning. So it's like, okay. But the rest of the time, he's just made out to be such like a maniacal bad guy who just wants power and stuff, you know, and that's all we get the whole time. So you just assume he's power yeah. hungry. But then when he opens the door and sees, you know, what partisan has, he's like taken aback by it. He's like, oh, he did it. And it's like, it drops the facade of like the bad guy. And he's now the person who was like interning, whatever. That's you know interesting. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just don't, I, I think that's what it was going for, but I just don't think it was really earned, you know, because we right. did get yep. such little time with him, you know, like helping create this stuff. So I think that's what they were going for. But yeah, like when you open the doors, like there's nothing about this guy that makes me think that seeing the final egg would yeah. like, stop him. Like he would was just like, that he kid. Like, cool, give me the gloves, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I feel like that that was like the intent behind it but it just didn't feel earned like the way that they they did it i needed more connection between him um and uh halliday you know what i mean like i needed i needed some more of that
3: yeah that's a good point um yeah that was a good a good little digression thanks ethan for pushing us that direction that wasn't planned i dig it you're very welcome. (laughs)
4: <laughs> oh Lots my god the that's next been like a podcast <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> let's go book it ben said it so we got to do it you can't do it either <laughs>
4: ben, ben you gotta be my co-host because your it. name is ben it's, it's literally it. the perfect, it's to podcast. Too perfect. <laughs>
3: um i just want to make one last point on the whole pop culture thing and and you know you guys sort of swayed me i i realized as i wrote the question out and sort of put my response into the page here Like, I, I, cause I like, and I think we all agree that the movie isn't as fun without the pop culture references, which sort of seems like a cheap crutch. And maybe that's why I was so mad at it. (laughs) I wasn't, you know, I'm not mad at it, but I just thought like, that's just cheap. You know, like the, the story itself is pretty boring. So you just hung a bunch of pop culture references on it, but it, it seemed like the, the entire movie, the whole point of the movie is that it is that that's, that's the impetus for the Oasis. That's the impetus for the entire movie. And that's, that's actually pretty clever. And I, and I, I've come to appreciate it more listening to you guys, but like, you know what the shining section in the movie was hands down far and away, my favorite part of this movie. And I just, I'm not totally sure that if the best part of a movie is being in someone else's movie, Mm -hmm. I'm not totally sure if that's a good thing or not. So like, while it is a clever device and it, it is, it is a clever way to do something uh, that could be considered cheap and easy. Um, I'm just not totally sure if it was fully worked out or if it totally worked for me, but you guys did sway me more to the side of it being
0: cheap. Well, as, be as your clever. nemesis,
3: I'm going to take <laughs> Hit a me.
0: hard, a yes. hard Hit me. stance counter to that. Um, <laughs> I mean
3: that's like the good guy's gotta save the that's day. That's like saying
0: Endgame's <laughs> weakest points were when they travel back in time and spend time in other movies. You know what I mean? It's like Whoa.
3: That's mm. hot.
0: Cause so look, the this the very source, this yeah, this isn't yeah. this isn't a movie where they're like, Okay, let's let's do this movie that's about this, but let's throw in pop culture references. The pop culture references are the fabric of this story. Like right. this mm-hmm. is, that's what the movie is. Like they're they're choosing, they're choosing to go into pop culture very deliberately, um, not for fan service, but to push you know some elements along. And I think more than anything, it's it's paying like homage to the directors and and how meticulous things were. Like uh, kind of Ben kind of highlighted with with Kubrick, like the the scenes that were chosen for that were very deliberate. Like the the choices made to push the story along were were very deliberate. They chose The Ch- the Shining. They could have chosen, you know, any movie. So the, the better question is, why why was it The Shining? What, what, what does that tell about the story? What type of things, unique things could they do in The Shining that they couldn't do in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: The, the Shining in particular is an interesting choice considering who I assume the demographic for this movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually wanted to ask you this, Ben and Ethan. I think your kids might be a little too young for it, but like, the people that this movie was and this book was written for. Of course, I guess the book didn't use The Shining, but like. who Like, are we just assuming that like 13 to 15 year old kids have seen The Shining? Right. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's that, that
2: thing i Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, it's just an interesting choice that I didn't really think about until just now. And I am curious, uh, Matt, uh, what your kids think of this movie. I didn't see a Party Tom review. Uh, that I could look at, but I think he, I think he has one though. I'm sure he does. I just didn't see it.
0: He Tom, Tommy loves this movie. Um, he obviously, I mean, to him, it's, it's pretty, it's as basic as they go into a video game. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. and he just loves every second of that. I think he'll enjoy it more when he gets to see some of these other movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he loves the movie. Um, yeah, a lot of things probably went over his head. There's still things that probably went over my head. Honestly, yeah. that like I didn't get, and so that'll be that. That's what makes this movie rewatchable. That's what makes the book uh, like a, a another like a good book to reread. I haven't reread it, um, but uh, I the the other thing about uh, that I wanted to touch on was like this story. This type of story is like super popular. It's it's the Willy Wonka story. Right. It's the yep. I mean they they're really on the nose about the symbolism with Parseval It's like it's the Holy Grail story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Harry Potter four kind of does this same story uh, with the with the Triwizard Tournament. Um, So like people like this story. And so it's interesting that Ernest Klein told the story using pop culture as like his thing with the story. And then he just like quadruples down on Easter eggs, like multi-level Easter egg. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you knew this or if you read anything about the book, but the Ready Player One book itself is chock full of Easter eggs for readers to solve. And he gave away yeah. a DeLorean to the person who solved it. Oh wow. What? That's right. So
4: that's sick. For
0: people who read the book and picked up on the Easter eggs in the book, they won a DeLorean. So the guy it Pays to know
4: your pop culture, kids. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, that's that's the message.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Big I bum. think just sorry, just going to the shining thing real quick. I just I think I was almost more impressed with how flawless it looked, especially oh, yeah. for us having just watched The Shining. Right. Cause I just right. felt like, oh, this, this almost looks like, you know, he got like the reels and just like right. did some digital effects to it. Cause this looks like an exact shot. It looks so cool. And as far as it being lost on kids, like, I don't, I mean, it's a conversation we had in the shining where it's like, you knew so many of the pop culture references before you even saw it. So like, you know, maybe they haven't mm. seen the shining, but they've seen the twin girls before, you know, or right. like the blood coming out of the elevator, just all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I, I think it's still hit, mm. but one thing I think this movie did is it, it did kind of, like, reach out to a lot of the demographics, because I know for myself, like, while I caught a lot of the stuff, um, when uh, I, I forget who it is at the end, um, but turns in is, like, I choose the form of Gundam, or like, I have no clue what that is, <laughs> right. you know, but yeah. I assume it's a super cool guy who can, like, beat Mecha right. Godzilla, you know, and so that stuff is lost on me but I understood what the intent was behind it. So I think that's probably what it was throughout the movie. Like if you didn't get it, like at least he kind of understood where it was coming from or maybe like the power that it had, but it's like, I have no Mm -hmm. idea what Gundam is, but yeah, good job, man. He kicked his ass. Yeah. The Gundam people love that scene. The Gundam (laughs) people in the
0: the theater, they were screaming (laughs) at each other's faces during that scene. There were were like scenes where people are
2: marching in. It's like anime characters. I don't know anything about that. I'm like, Whoever knows who that person is is so stoked that they just saw yeah. them. Like that's way cool. I have no good idea time. who that is, though. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. It was
0: a good call by Spielberg to not use Leopardon. Are you guys familiar who Leopardon is? You could say mm-hmm. any from Thundercats, right? Thing. He's not from Thundercats. <laughs> so Leopardon, the the Japanese Spider-Man live action TV show. Oh, oh it's a banger. Yeah.
4: <laughs> like he has it's like this banger.
0: wristwatch thing that calls like a mech, a mecha a mecha. Just yeah. like Power Rangers, and that mecha's name is Leopardon. And so spi- okay. It's so spy. It's Spider Man's mecha.
2: That. Yeah. And so in the, the book,
0: it's not Iron Giant. It's Leopardon.
2: Uh, so I mean, okay. okay. would
0: have been cool to see Leopardon, but wise choice <laughs> for the wider Iron audience giant. to go. Th- yes. Yeah. Iron yeah giant, big time.
3: I would have. That would have been completely. Yeah. Completely <laughs> over my head. Um, Matt, you said something earlier in your argument, which I do agree with to to an extent but I just wanted to counter it real quick because I know it's going to piss probably everyone off on this entire pod. Uh, and I'm, you can't see it, but I'm circling your face with my mouse, Ethan right now. Cause I know I'm excited Stop. to see a reaction here because when you said um, it's the same thing as criticizing the going back to previous movies in uh, Endgame, end game, it is while I certainly enjoyed the whole cap versus cap. I, I can do this all day. I know thing. Mr. Rogers, I almost forgot that that suit did nothing for your ass. No one asked you to look, Tony. It's ridiculous. I think you look great, Cap. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. Uh, That was my least favorite part about Endgame, was the time travel into the previous timelines. So your argument works, but also for me personally, Hmm. I don't love it because I didn't like that in that specific movie despite liking the scenes we got out of it. I didn't like it as a plot device, but I liked the scenes that we saw. So, so I'm just, so how are you getting excited for Loki? <laughs> um, that's a good question. No, that's a fair question. I actually really am excited for Loki and maybe I'm a hypocrite, but I think for whatever reason, Owen I don't know. Wilson. Any, yeah. Owen Wilson <laughs> helps. There you go. I also don't know too much about Loki. And for all I know, he's just seeing a, it's like a, it's like a, um, a Scrooge and the Ghost of Christmas Past yeah. Like for all I know, we're he's seeing a projection. For what it's of worth, we don't really the past. know what we're gonna yeah. get. that's a good point, though. You're, I am excited to see Loki, but I just I remember talking to you, Ben, about Endgame before it came out and the possibilities possibilities of how they were gonna solve their situation. And I mm. wish they would have gone a few of the other directions that you talked about versus the way that they went. Mm-hmm. I thought the the time stamping armbands was cheap but maybe it was the easiest thing for a wide audience to grasp i don't know uh sure. but yeah i was hoping again, that was going to make, make ethan movies. a lot more angry than it did <laughs>
2: uh you can't see
4: but i'm just i'm raging behind the stage
2: i'm raging. He has the steve buscemi kill list that he's like your name on on the wall I just think mm-hmm. part of why Endgame works so well and this one again, is like we just live in an Easter egg society where it's like, yeah. oh cool, mm-hmm. I can see that scene from mm-hmm. a different angle now or whatever so. Like I, I literally it, just you know, watched Winter, Winter Soldier like last crutch. night
3: and like mm-hmm. so the Endgame elevator it, scene is like you know, I, I was stoked
4: because Endgame yeah. is tough because it it had a very specific expectation of, of 10 years Ready right. Player One does not have that True. Ready Player One is strictly a, a one-off movie, right? Endgame. We all knew that we had to pay homage to to everything we've seen, to yeah. to pim particles and Battle of New York, and, and everything that has gotten us to that point right. had to be folded into the story somehow because that's literally everything that we've experienced so far right. up until that that's moment. Fair. Um, but yeah, Ready, Ready Player One is it's interesting, and and I I'll say that with um, the three keys that, I mean, that's your goal, right? Is to get these three keys in the Oasis. One of them is, is a race, which is super cool. Like all kinds of pop culture references, but it's not, it's just a race, right? It's not pop culture specific. Um, Yeah. The third key, like you've got to play adventure and, and, and I get that, that is definitely like pop culture part of society, but you've got to think like from a Spielberg standpoint, one of your main missions has to be solely based around one iconic pop culture reference. And I would assume that the shining to him is that one standout pop culture reference where he said, I don't want to just have, I just don't, I don't want them to like just see an elevator with blood coming out. I want them to live it. Like I want there to be more screen time because of this deserved, um, deserved area that we're in or a reference that, that we have. Um, I mean, my daughter woke up from her nap while I was watching the shining scene and, and I've never, even, I've never seen The Shining. So I feel oh, okay. like H over here. I'm just like, uh, is it scary? Like, I don't know. So she <laughs> woke up from her nap and, and I was like, uh, yeah, I should probably like, I should probably shut this off because she's only three. Right. And so, um, I turned it off and I was like, let's, let's, we can watch one of your, one of your shows. And she goes, I'm not scared. You can turn it back on. And I was like, all right, you're either really playing a big bluff here and like, just trying to impress me. <laughs> Or like you're actually not scared, and that's that would like that's totally fine. We'll just watch The Shining in a couple years together. Like yeah. that's cool, no problem. Oh, I will
3: say, without context, maybe that scene's not terribly scary. I mean, other than there's like giant sure. axes and you know that sort of thing, but uh, you know, in context with that movie, it's not even so much that it's scary. It's just like unsettling and creepy, in my opinion. But mm. um, I would love to
0: see you in a virtual reality experience going through the shining hotel
4: who mean oh my god no ethan oh yeah i you not seen the <laughs> no.
0: movie
4: you can't just you, explore. C- you couldn't you could drop like 10 grand and crisp crisp 100s in front of me and i was like eh, i think i'll pass like i'm
3: good i don't not a scary that, movie guy
4: that's well you know what no i'm not a scary no that's i'm that's not the well, i'm not now. yeah
3: we're actually I'll none of us any, are <laughs> but i would recommend the shining it's fucking great it's i gotta really, watch it really really fucking good um So we've talked a little bit about live, you know, what it would be like to experience the shining uh, and be able to do that, which leads me to the next thing I wanted to talk about, because, you know, we talked about how this is sort of a Willy Wonka story. It's a Holy grail story. Um, And it's, it's hard for me to not compare this to the matrix in that you can make yourself be able to do anything you want. And so I'm curious who, who, In that sense, did it better between the Matrix and Ready Player One? Or if you have other examples of, um, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, being able to have unlimited power and ability based on a certain environment, uh, who did it better? And if you could choose whether you could have the abilities of the Matrix plug in and learn whatever you do, you want learn to do whatever you want or access the Oasis, which would you choose and why? Ethan, you're first.
4: Oh, man. It's So The Matrix did it did it better in terms of having a depth and a reason uh-huh. to why The Matrix exists. We know that there's a very determined purpose for that. Right. The Oasis is just for fun. So, like, it's just to, to live somewhere else unless you want a good meal, then you got to come back to reality, as, as Halliday says. But, like, I would definitely choose The Oasis. Like, I'm not... I don't see myself in my free time wanting to become a, a spy and, and have these really high risk, like, you know, high stakes, um, life or death situations every turn. Yeah. Uh, I think the Oasis is just like a lot more fun. Like they go to a nightclub and like, there's a planet that's a casino. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sure. That sounds fantastic to me. And, um, and like, yeah, I'm sure you get sucked in like every, like anything else, but you know, if we had the Oasis right now, I think like you zero out and like, uh, shit like that sucks i zeroed out like back to the oasis gotta start from scratch like the matrix i would be like oh my god like i just died in real life like i can't <laughs> yeah. I, too much it. So, I think the oasis is way is is just way cooler it's way more my speed um and i think it's yeah it's it's where you'd find me every waking moment that i would not be with my family
3: okay you get to choose <laughs> obviously if you have the oasis for real i'm gonna add this to the question because as i'm okay. I'm realizing we're all going to choose the Oasis probably. So what is the first virtual world you would create for yourself in the Oasis?
4: Oh man, I got to create it myself.
3: Well, you know, like you could hop into the shining, you could hop into. Oh, sure. game. Yeah, yeah. You could hop into the NBA oh, finals, whatever bro. you want to do. You know, like what's the first thing. You, what what's, what Listen, would you do?
4: <laughs> Listen, Tyler, you, you call me out. I got to stay on brand. <laughs> I would fucking put myself right inside New York city. Put me in the diamond district. Make me watch, <laughs> make me watch Howard Ratner just lose his, lose his yeah. brain. You wouldn't be uh, <laughs> Howard Ratner? Putting a five-spot parlay on the Celtics. Like, you I would, just, <laughs> that's it.
0: You'd be in the you gem. You'd be in that mysterious gem, and you'd be, like, looking up at his, like,
4: yeah, exactly. crazy you'd eyes. I'd be living in the gem. exactly. <laughs>
2: I'd be Howard Ratner sure prized possession. I'd be, like, learning the exact, like, La La Land dances or something like that. Like, yeah. you take the gosling roll. It's, like... You 100%. have to nail this like beat by beat or else, you know. <laughs> oh man, the um yeah. I'm with yeah. him. I, I yeah, I think we're all probably gonna say the same thing. I think the matrix made like a deeper world, which is kind of cool. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that, that thing about, you know, what he says about it's a place to get a good meal. Cause it reminded me of like from The Matrix when Cypher's like right. the steak isn't real. Like the Matrix is telling me it's mm. juicy and delicious, but this isn't real. But whatever, yeah. you know. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool, the similarities there. Yeah. Um I think you know, I'm kind of going to alter your question, Tyler, and just like do it. If, if I had to make question. like, no, it's a great question, but I just like, I'm thinking of it in the terms of the game where like you had to like make a mission for someone to accomplish mm. it is like, I would do a time limit and make someone do everything that they do in Ferris Bueller's day off. But like in five hours, Gee, like you gotta right. get slowed yeah. out of school. You got to go to the game. You got to do the parade. You got to get back in this time. And just like, and cause that's, you can't do that in a day. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> tell someone like, if you can accomplish this in five hours, you get the key. Like that, if I was Halliday, that'd be my first thing for people. <laughs> it's like you do Ferris Bueller's day off. If you do it, you get the key, that kind of a thing.
3: That's Red. great.
4: Genius. Yeah. Uh,
0: I would, so uh, going on with Ben's, I think my thing would be, I would, you have to, you, you have to take Michael Jordan's spot on the tune squad and beat the Monstars. <laughs> in Space yes. Jam. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, it's a, very difficult task um and then to go to go along with ethan's uh uncut gems drop what what would a what would a crossover look like with the MCU where that the, that rock is an infinity gem you know what i'm saying oh shit Dude.
4: Oh man, you just collided my world. Pretty I cool. feel like George Costanza yeah. over here. The world collided. colliding. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't like this. He's <laughs> gonna pass out. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that that'd be crazy, man. Like realistically, um, yeah, man. I'd I'd love to like live on. Um, I'd love to live on Titan, like sixty years ago, like before Thanos was born oh, or yeah. anything, because Titan was beautiful. Like, a beautiful planet so it's like that sounds pretty legit to me like that'd be cool
3: yeah yeah that'd be dope yeah i i'm on i'm on board with you guys the The matrix quote did it better uh but obviously it'd be more fun to be in the oasis although you know like they're not as really that different uh, other than you can die in the matrix as opposed to you can't die uh in the oasis mm-hmm. um and also they're pretty big Yeah, pretty pretty big difference you could
2: actually die but other than that
3: (laughs) but as far as like being able to upload anything you want to be able to do or create any world it's it's essentially the same thing
1: i know kung fu
2: show me
3: uh and also like in both worlds you get to actually feel what's happening like Mm -hmm. like uh that scene where she's asking him if she can feel everything i was like this is surprisingly erotic for a speed. I was like, very. I was like, I was feeling some things there. They use like the lights in, very, uh, in a very, very creative way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Artemis was, was getting to me there. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the matrix, like Ethan said, is there was some actual depth to it and there's actual stakes because you can die and the freedom of a, of the human race depends on it. Uh, but also, you know, I would prefer the real, uh, the real, the real world in Ready Player One to whatever real world we get in the yeah. Matrix, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> even exactly. in including Zion. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I don't want to live there either. Completely yeah.
2: shaved you... and reborn.
3: <laughs> the first thing I could think of if I could create my own little world in in the Oasis was uh, similar to Matt. I would put myself on the Utah Jazz. I'd be the point guard, and we'd win. We'd <laughs> try to win the title. the title. Yeah, knowing my luck, we still wouldn't be able to do it in virtual reality.
2: Just swept you got Stockton shot in Houston <laughs> yeah that's how that's I get the my one key thing you have
3: to do. I finally win yeah, the <laughs> final.
0: he's been doing this for 50 years
3: um...
2: also I just want to riff really quick on Adam or, uh, Matt's answer here because I think it's super funny but I think the hardest mission in the Oasis would be getting the band oasis back together like if that was like the final mission it's like getting old and liam to get oh, back yeah. together it's like oasis was a better band. Oasis till you get oasis together
0: <laughs> yeah the, yeah my first thought when you asked matrix or oasis mike oasis was a better
2: band <laughs>
3: is there a band called the matrix i'm sure there
2: is there must be well, well there's the shit we don't know who <laughs> yeah.
3: um well fellas I don't know what else we could talk about. I mean, obviously the four of us could probably go on and on and on. Uh, we'll save our listeners and our viewers from that fate. Um, <laughs> Ethan, again, I want to thank you for joining us. If there's anything else you guys want to talk about now is your chance, but I think we might as well wrap this thing up and put ready player. The one, one quick
2: thing I want to say is this mm-hmm. was a great one. use yes. Of the word fuck in a PG 13 movie. Correct. Cause you can only use it once and it can't be in a sexual term. So when they throw Chucky, he's like
1: fucking uh, Chucky.
2: That's a great use for this. <laughs> yeah. like, and I don't know why that's I always think Spielberg is like a prude, you know, like he wouldn't right. want swearing or anything like that. But like we just talked about, there's like a lot of kind of sexual innuendo than like the language. I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe he's, I don't know. I just assume he's like, it's always making family movies. So I yeah. loved seeing that. And I think it's, there's some great uses like in uh days of future past, right. When they go get Logan out of the bar or something, and he tells right. him to fuck off. Like there's yeah. some good ones, but I thought this was great. I loved it. Well, my,
4: my, la- my very last uh, two cents to put in is uh Mark Rylance is, is Loki steals this movie. Fantastic. He does so good. Fantastic. He does so um, good. as, um, as Halliday, mm-hmm. he's so good. Yeah. He's very good as, as, as William Kunstler in, um, Trial Chicago 7 as well, he but is. like mm. he's, he's low-key like the best actor in this movie. Like, obviously, no shade to Ben Mendelssohn, You know, 15 minutes of Mendelssohn upcoming, but <laughs> like, great, great acting, great chops, crushes this movie. 15 minutes of
0: Ben, so parentheses, Mendelsohn. Mm-hmm. Ben <laughs> Um Mendelsohn. I, just a quick shout-out to Raf, Ralph Innocent, who's mm. the who's mm. uh, uh, Wade Watts' I guess, uncle-in-law, or right yeah. yeah
2: something weird like yeah, that yeah. boyfriend
0: man he's in yeah. the movie for like five minutes but absolutely slays his role right so funny
2: so good
3: and, and uh he's going to be the green knight right in the, the upcoming green knight movie Yeah, I don't know if you guys is are excited about that? that I think he oh, is. he's also <laughs> going to be knight. in the
4: tragedy of Macbeth which is super oh, wow. exciting too crazy that's cool he's in a lot
0: of cool stuff
3: actually but I yeah. loved him in this yeah, Really good. That's it. I'm cutting you guys off. We're done. <laughs> That's it. We're, We're done. done. <laughs> <laughs> um, for way. everyone out there listening and watching, uh, first of all, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Uh, we could do this without you. We've done it before, but we'd prefer not to. Uh, we really appreciate y'all's support. Um, go and check out 15 Minutes of Marvel, hosted by our boy Ethan yeah. Uh And if you haven't already, tell your friends, tell your family about both podcasts. We'll share the love. You can find us on uh, YouTube, Spotify, uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and check out our uh, Patreon shop. We've got some options so uh, you can get your skin in the game and support us at a somewhat higher level. But regardless, we're happy you're here and we appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.
2: See ya.
4: Thank you. See ya.
3: What we found out
1: is that each one of us is a brain and an athlete and a basket case, a princess,
4: and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club.